You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Teresa Curley. And I'm Chris Euler. And we are broadcasting from Aberdeen, Ron Cali High School, at the heart of the Real Presence listening area. And uh, we, if you just heard that awesome interview we had with the Blooming Christie team of the Diocese of Sioux Falls, uh, they're doing great work in our diocese, and they're living out their faith in a way that uh, is this relationship that informs the identity, it forms who they are uh, as disciples of Jesus Christ within the bounds of our beautiful Catholic faith. And so right now, we're going to be joined to someone else to continue to this kind of this conversation, this theme of the day, about relationship and identity and about being children of God. And so uh, we are joined today by Dr. Kate Waltz, uh, Walsh uh, Sutre, uh, and she's going to talk about, uh, about living our Catholic identity in regard to uh, her founding of the Institute for Family Health and Wellness. So Dr. Kate, welcome to Real Presence Live. Yes, thank you. Good morning. How is how is everybody there? Are you guys doing well? Yes, Besides, yes. Enjoying the sun. <laughs> good, good. And I am in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and it's, I think, 13 below. Oh, uh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my. Very sunny, but very cold and beautiful, <laughs> as you said. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. uh, it's not much warmer here, but uh, I don't think it's quite that cold there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well... Well, we're glad to have you, Dr. Kate. And so, uh, as, as we're kicking off here, this interview here, uh, can you share us a little about yourself, about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, well, I, I think, first of, um, first of all, I'm a wife, a mother, a, grand, a grandmother, um, and I would say that that is the key to what keeps me grounded. And I've been so blessed to study. I have a, a bachelor's degree from St. Kate's. And then I was um, blessed to be able to go to the seminary here in the cities, St. Thomas. And then I went to St. Mary's in the cities, and I got a master's, another master's in marriage and family therapy. And then I was also able to earn a, doc- a doctorate in educational leadership from St. Mary's. So it's been such a blessing to be a wife and mother and to be able to study. <laughs> Pretty amazing, because most people don't get to do that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it is a beautiful gift, you know, and obviously God is blessing you. And, you know, and, you know, as we see God's blessings throughout our whole life, but oftentimes like, it's, it, we can see things in our, we look at the world around us, we watch the news, right? Sometimes there's some uncertainty. There's this feeling of maybe hopelessness. Uh, and I know I, I found myself kind of trapped in it last Friday. I, I caught myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, this world is nuts. So can you maybe speak in a little bit to how our Catholic identity can help us to kind of sort through these the uncertainty that may be going on around us. Sure. Yes, thank you. So for me and for those who are Catholic and identify us as Catholic, that we remember to ground ourselves in our faith. And when it feels like we get hopeless or we get scared, that we can turn to Scripture, we can turn to the rosary. I just said a beautiful rosary as I was sitting in my adoration hour. But that we have so many foundational prayers that guide us and that help us to take a breath and settle back and relax and realize that God is in control. And that at all times, He has us. We're never outside of His beautiful protection. And our Catholic faith helps us remember that, I think, 
most than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. And so in regard to like Catholic identity, can you what does that really mean when we have this yes. Catholic identity? Perfect. Okay. So we have um, a common way of looking at the world. We believe in the sac- sacraments. We have those. We have seven sac- sacraments, which people know. And these sacraments, there's a definition that was that they are a visible sign of an invisible reality. And that invisible reality happens throughout the fruition of that sacrament as the sacrament becomes more and more um, alive in us. So we know that we are married on the day of our, our wedding. But anybody who is married knows that the commitment to saying yes each and every day to that, that person that you've chosen and, and married, that the way that that sacrament has lived out, that's what, what helps us be Catholic. It's not just on that day, but it's how God helps us to say yes to the lived out sacrament each and every day of our lives. And so, and our, our identity is also mission-driven, and we see it mostly as we live out the Catholic social teachings, which were identified by our bishops in 1998, the U.S. bishops. And it seemed like they were pretty aware, people were pretty aware of these Catholic social teachings initially, and it seems like they've taken a back, a back seat recently. And so for us to remember that those Catholic social teachings they guide us, they help us remember who we are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm actually, so one of my classes this semester is all on Catholic social teaching. Oh, it's, beautiful. It, it's awesome. And, and we just, you know, we just worked our way. We actually took a test yesterday and that whole test was on like the human person, right? And how we're created in this Imago Dei, this image of God uh, that informs the rest of our life. And that orders us back towards him. And so, yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because that's what my students are studying right now. And we just dove into, after our test, we either got done, they had quite a bit of time, we have block scheduling. Uh, we dove into uh, uh, the idea of natural law and how uh, this natural law also informs our heart. And it's beautiful. And so, uh, as we know our identity is informed by this image of God, uh, and that draws something more out of us, uh, yeah. we, we desire more, we thirst for more. What are some ways that uh, we as Catholics, as we, when you come to this recognition, can live that reality and become more in touch with our faith? Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for asking that. So I wondered if I would actually mention this today. I was wondering as I was preparing. So one of our, our sons, we have three um, adult children, all of them married, uh, two of them have, have children. One of them just got married, so they don't have children yet, which is a blessing, right? You put things in the right right order. Okay. <laughs> well, one of our daughters-in-law is Lutheran, and uh, their wedding took place in a Lutheran church, but the priest was also there and blessed the wedding, blessed the marriage right there. Um, and so... Um, they come to our house for dinner. We usually have everybody over Sunday night. It's just such a blessing. It's really fun. And um, so she's Lutheran, and we have, as a family, not stopped signing ourselves with the sign of the cross at dinner time. And I noticed that at Christmas time when we were doing that, she did it. <laughs> yes, and it was just... So we live our faith. We live it quietly. We're not 
We are supposed to be uh, in St. Francis. Assisi says that preach the gospel and when necessary use words. As Catholics, we're supposed to live our faith. It's supposed to be so completely integrated into our lives. And this is not to get super serious, but as we live it out, it just becomes us. It's like a stamp on us. And the world the world sees it and you know, we're not like I said, Saint Francis says preach the gospel, but when necessary use words. We're supposed to be decent, kind good, virtuous human beings. And living that out daily, uh, we are supposed to transform the world. Now, do Catholics know that? <laughs> supposed to transform the world. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's it's a challenge, right? You know, it's a challenge oh. to really actually, like, I, I, to, I find myself sometimes using too many words, you know, and... Uh, it, it doesn't always end well, right? Uh, but uh, it's still grace and still things working in God's timing and God's way. Um, so in regards to your Institute of Family Health and Wellness, um, what are some things that uh, you have done in maybe your professional life as you to help other people come to know their faith and their identity um, better? Wow, thank you for asking that. So I had um, a beautiful um, experience of teaching senior high school religion for about 10, 10 years at a Catholic senior high school down here in the cities. And um, I would say that the first commitment that I made as a teacher was to be very prepared, as always. I mean, we're supposed to do that. That's part of our job. But I need to be super, super, super prepared so that I could stand at the doorway and see into the eyes of my students as they walked into the classroom because I wanted to see who's coming in here today. Mm. Who's going to be with me today? Who's who's hurting? Who do I need to reach out to and check in with in a very special way and just ask quietly, are you doing all, you know, are you doing fine today? And while I was teaching, um, it was busy. I went back for my master's in marriage and family therapy. And then in 2011, I left teaching and I joined a Christian private practice down here in the cities. And I worked for the past 10 years. And I just retired in May of 2021. <laughs> I'm 65. And so I just retired and I um, am now uh, emeritus. <laughs> And um, I am now teaching and writing for adults and adolescents for Catholics. But it's about how do we live our faith? How do we integrate? How do we understand, first of all, and then how do we integrate our Catholic identity, those Catholic social teachings, and critical thinking, those critical thinking skills to help us make good decisions, make holy decisions in the moment. Well, absolutely, and that's and that's absolutely a necessary thing for our world. And as uh, we got to take a quick break here, but as we we hear her speaking, as we hear you, Dr. Katie, you're speaking about these these choices we make and being good and making holy choices. Uh, they affect our life and they affect our whole person. And so after we come back from break, uh, we're going to dive into how this idea and these thoughts can help us uh, have a good mental health. And so, stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Dr. Kate after break. 
This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancements for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. My senior year of college, I was working 30 hours a week. I was taking my largest workload I had ever taken. And two days before uh, rent was due, I did not know where the money was coming from every single month. But you know what? I tithe faithfully and consistently. And it got to be, I got to see the providence of God over and over and over again every month so that it was the most peaceful year of my entire academic career when I had the least. And I think. Again, that's, that's what it's all about, is God wants to give us freedom. He doesn't want us bound down by all these shackles. He wants to, to show us that He is a Father, and He's a Father that can be trusted. And I think that's what changes life, is when you realize that God is going to take care of me no matter what, that I can trust Him. Life is radically different all of a sudden. This is Kathy Scraw from St. Boniface in Lidgewood, North Dakota. Thank you for listening to Real Presence Radio. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Well, welcome back to the last 15 minutes, last quarter of this hour, the first hour of Real Presence Live, broadcasting from Aberdeen, Ron Cowley High School. I'm Chris Euler. And I'm Teresa Curley. And we are joined today... Uh, by Dr. Kate Walt-Sutre. She's from Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, and she is speaking to us about living our Catholic identity. And she shared with us before we went to that break uh, about how when we live it, right, we don't necessarily need to speak anything. We have to just love. We have to live. And then she was getting into, as well, the choices we make, the decisions we make, and they ought to be good and holy choices. Now, Dr. Kate, as we make these choices and we do things throughout our whole life, they they obviously affect our day-to-day, uh, and so, uh, can you speak into how making uh, the choices we make affect our mental health? Yes. Oh, thank you. So, um, so first of all, uh, we have to have a desire to be holy. Mm-hmm. We have to. We have, and but that does not come from us. That deep desire for holiness comes from God. And what God's asking us to do is simply to respond by saying yes to that desire because it's in it's in all of us. Our soul was with God before it was here. 
And uh, so our soul is always, as St. Augustine says, yearning to get back to God. And so when our soul is helping us as human beings to experience that solid, beautiful sense of a desire for holiness, it's just to respond with yes. And then what we might do is we might take part in the Adoration Chapel, we might go to daily Mass, uh, we might incorporate at home some time for prayer, we might say the Rosary, you might listen to a radio station, you might listen to music, we just ways to help ourselves to disengage from the culture that we're living in right now that is not tipped toward holiness. It is tipped toward secularization, and it's difficult to choose holiness in the culture we're living in. I wrote something down as you were talking, Chris, and I wrote down silence and quiet. Mm. It's just so hard to find that time to be able to have quiet, because in that quietness, we're going to be able to tune in to God's voice in our heart and in our mind. And But when we're just, when the world is so noisy and just there's so much going on, and even as we come out of COVID and we get busy again, it's how do we, how do we unplug and where do we unplug and make time for God? And so the interesting thing is, is that when we feel that sense of the Holy Spirit within us, our relationships improve, <laughs> which it's just so funny how my relationship with God, when I strengthen that, it can help improve all of my human relationships mm. because it helps, it helps me to become a more grounded, better person than myself. So one of the things that's so interesting, and we hear this, this word, but we don't always understand it, I don't think, and that is the word virtue. Uh, we are, it's, it's all throughout throughout Scripture, first of all. It's all throughout Scripture. But um, specifically, there are four uh, cardinal virtues, prudence, temperance, fortitude, and justice, which are practical wisdom, self-control, courage, and doing the right thing. And then there are three theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. And when we live a virtuous life, it's a holy life. And we just make those choices and decisions to live that sense of holiness throughout the relationships we have. But if we're tipped and tuned into God, that's not going to be as difficult as it sounds and seems. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I, as you were speaking too earlier, you mentioned about like the silence and quiet. Uh, and, uh, I think of two things. First off, uh, Blaise Pascal, the great philosopher, spoke about part of the problem with modern man is that they're not able to sit alone in silence by themselves. Like, they're not able to sit alone in silence. People are uncomfortable, right? And that's exactly what prayer is, being able to sit in silence with our Lord and Savior. And then the second thing I thought about was from the first book of Kings, when Elijah was seeking the voice Mm. of God, right? And he he heard it in the small whisper of the wind. In fact, I actually mentioned that yesterday in a talk that I gave to a um, a school, I speak to teachers because I'm a former teacher and I really get them. I think it's First Kings nine, nine, 19, 19, 1 yeah. through 12. First Kings 19. So if people look there, First Kings chapter nine, 19, verses 1 through 12, you'll read that right there. 
Yeah. Yeah, and that, what a what a like what a it's, it's in scripture. That's how we are to hear. And even you see the Lord Himself as He's ministering to people, He goes away by Himself all the time to pray. Like, yeah. and so as we're taught to pray, that's exactly exactly how we are to do it. Right. Do you know, Chris? What's interesting in, is that um, so I I got to study Greek so at the seminary. So we had to study and translate. And I decided to study Greek because I was studying the New Testament, which is all in Greek and the Old Testament. I know you know is in Hebrew. Yeah. And the Greek states, so the English states that Jesus got up very early in the morning. Well, the Greek states, yeah, it was 2 o'clock. Two o'clock in the morning. He was up very early. Wow. <laughs> he was up in the middle of the night. Oh, my goodness. He was, he was alone. And he could quietly, he felt, but all of the Gospels also have a story of him taking a nap. You probably remember when he was on the boat, and he was sleeping, and the boat, it's in chapter 4 of Mark, and the boat is being tipped and blown around, and everybody's scared on the boat, and he's taking a nap. He was sleeping because he was up all night praying. Well, I, 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 uh... I don't know if I could quite stay up all night and pray, (laughs) but I don't don't think my wife would appreciate that much. But what an example to us uh, about, you know, to go and to take that time and to pray. And now, so part of our prayer as Catholics, of course, we have uh, our own personal prayer. We take that hour of prayer. We can take that time every day. But as you mentioned, the sacraments earlier, these efficacious signs uh, of God's grace for us that we can't necessarily see. So how can receiving the sacraments help others? That was a really interesting question. And as I was answering that, here's what I said. I said, when I partake in these sacraments, it helps others because it helps me. Mm. I cannot give what I do not have. So if I have not spent any time on quieting myself, learning to be attuned to myself uh, so that I'm able to hear God where I step away and I unplug. If I'm not able to do that, I cannot plug into other people because I'm not plugged into myself. So partaking in the sacraments, um, so I've written a book, it's called Household Holiness, Family Blessings Moment by Moment. And it's been edited by a Catholic editor and I'm requesting, I wanted to request the permissions to use the same quotes. She would have done it, but I wanted to do that because I needed I needed to have participation. Somebody else could have done it, but I wanted to contact them to ask. And it had to be sent to a, pro, pro, a um, you know, professor at St. Thomas. And he got back to me and he said, well, you have one thing wrong. And I said, okay. And he said, you got real presence wrong. He said, we do not become the real presence of Christ in the world. He said, we become the essence of the real presence of Christ. Mm-hmm. And that is an abstract concept. So we don't become the real presence. People look at us, and they should be pointed toward the cross through how we live our lives. So by receiving sacraments, I'm able to help others because I'm filled and if I'm not filled, I'm not, I'm not able to give anything. So that's, that was my answer to that. And um, 
So I, here's what I wrote. We become the essence of Christ's real presence when we partake in the Eucharist, and we share his real presence with others when we live as his disciples each day in the encounters of our lives. So the way I help others is to attend to the sacraments and allow Christ to change me. And then I then am able to go out and impact my world in whatever way God asks me. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> right what he puts right in front of us. You know, I don't I could go to Africa, I could go to India, I could go to other parts of the world, but I don't have to. I could go to the grocery store and be kind to the clerk, ask her how everything's going today. I could um, give somebody um, a little space on the road. I could wave somebody on at a four-way stop. I don't know what other people's lives are like today, but I could live the gospel right where I am. And that's actually what God's asking of us, to be his presence in our world as we're living. Oh, absolutely. In my house, my wife and I have a, as a good old sign from Hobby Lobby, but it was a Mother Teresa quote. And uh, it's, uh, the quote is, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Mm. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, Isn't it's that? true. Okay. Oh, like, like you I would, wish we had more time. <laughs> I know. I wish we had more time. I, you know, and okay. I was in thinking about, too, you, know, you shared the story of, uh, of your son and his wife, right? Uh, she's a Lutheran, right? But you're loving her, and she sees oh. truth in it, right? The action. Oh of her making that sign of the cross that she had never done before. You're loving your family. That's changing the world. Oh, and it's going to oh. change the scope of like her and your your son and your hopefully children's lives. That's what, right. And I baby, babysit for their two little boys on Fridays. That's my my, my Friday for the past 10 years has been baby, babysitting for grandchildren. Okay. Um, so I was just going to say this. Two things. Don't wait for Lent to start your Lenten fast. Start now. We have we have five weeks, six weeks, a week extra. Start now. Lent starts on Ash Wednesday, which is March 3rd. 